Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hey, welcome back. We're working our way through the eight qualities that are necessary for building a life that lasts. And today, we're looking at the seventh quality, which is mutual affection. I really hope that you're memorizing this passage and that it's causing you to live your very best every single day, especially on those days when life is hard. So what I want to do is get started. We're going to read this together. Second Peter chapter one, starting with verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins." Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, today we're talking about mutual affection. But mutual affection for who? The word in the original language that is used by Peter can also be translated as brotherly kindness. There are very few things, if any, that most of us value as much as our family. What's true of us was especially true of those who lived in the ancient Middle East during the time of Jesus. Family was everything. As such, when Jesus was told on one occasion that his mother and brothers were standing outside of the home waiting to speak to him, everybody naturally assumed he's going to drop everything and he's going to go to them. I have no doubt that every person that was in the room that day expected Jesus to bolt to see his family. But instead, he spoke the words that we read in Matthew chapter 12. Listen to this. He said, he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. In that moment, Jesus forever redefined family. No longer is family to be primarily defined by shared last name or DNA, but rather it is defined by faith in Jesus Christ. So when Peter tells us to add mutual affection to our faith, he has in mind all those who have been born into the family of God through faith in Jesus. We know this intellectually, but if we don't believe it to the core of our being, We're in big, big trouble. As you look around, wouldn't you agree that Satan has doubled down on his efforts to divide us as a people just based on homeland, skin color, politics, economics, 
how to handle COVID, you name it. I mean, you can think of a, a, a zillion reasons why we're divided. We cannot allow this to happen among believers though, because we are family. We need each other. And when talking about how to live well, it's easy to jump straight to, well, trust God and love people. But Peter fills in the gaps for us because frankly, life is often messier than we thought it would be. Am I right? Now I've been guilty of doing that. Jesus taught us how to have great relationships with everybody. You remember the golden rule from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12? Jesus said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. If you want great relationships, just do to others what you want them to do to you. That's it. That's a nice thought. But my question is this, how is that even possible? What about when I don't feel like it, hmm? What about when they don't deserve my kindness? What about when all I've gotten from them is pain? What happens when things, well, frankly, they're not working? There are lots of reasons people have, have given as to why mutual affection isn't a part of who they are. Because they did this or they did that to me because they're stuck in religion and I just want to follow Jesus. Now, let me get this straight. You want to follow Jesus, but you can't stand his people. You want to live with Jesus in heaven, but can't tolerate his people on earth. Do I have that right? Listen, folks, if a hypocrite is standing between you and God, it just means that the hypocrite, well, is closer to God than you are. We only ignore God's will for good reasons. Am I right about that? I think when we don't obey what God clearly teaches, it just means that we're, build, we're building our, our lives on sandy soil, on sandy ground. We're building a life that won't last. It'll just end. I learned about a, a Reddit forum from a friend of mine where people post stories about how their day took a turn for the worse. The forum is called, and, and I've cleaned this up, but today I messed up. Okay, that's not the exact name, but to keep things family friendly, I had to slightly rework the title a little bit. Anyway, from what I have been able to gather, the posts on this site are typically comical descriptions of unfortunate accidents. For example, today I messed up by drinking a smoothie before working out. <laughs> it didn't end well at all. And another one, today I messed up by eating a can of chili that expired in 2014. <laughs> you get the point. So I learned about the forum from this online magazine article that shared the story of one of the contributors, a middle-aged man by the name of John. The title of John's post was, Today I Messed Up My Whole Life. The post was not comical, though. It was a gut-wrenching confession made by a man who, although he had achieved success in financial security, had come to the realization that he had wasted his life by making decisions that cost him his wife his son, his dreams, and impact on the world. Honestly, it was a tragically sad story, but there are thousands of tragically sad stories to tell. So why did this online magazine writer decide to share John's? It was the surprising number of people that responded to John's story that caught the attention of the reporter. Some of those who responded to John did so to encourage him, but many, many more did so because they shared the same feelings of regret about their own life. Maybe some of you can relate. Perhaps looking back on your own life, all you can see are unfulfilled dreams, relational disappointments, and seemingly little impacts. Is this accurate of your life? 
I have no idea. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Only, only you know that. What I do know is that to feel like you have wasted your life is one of the worst feelings in all of the world. And I'm confident that it's not one that you want to be wrestling with on your deathbed. So let me share with you some good news and some bad news. Let's start with the bad. You can't change the past, so stop trying. There are some steps that you can take to try to heal the past for sure, but unless you have a DeLorean, it ain't happening. Yes, there's some benefit to looking back. Those who don't know history are destined to repeat history, right? There is no benefit to living in the past. Peter assures us that if we will add certain qualities to our faith in Jesus, our remaining days will be fruitful rather than regretful. Outside of immediate family, it's been those in the family of God who have had the greatest impact on my life over the years. And I'm sure that the same is true for many of you. Take a moment to think about how many people in the church family, past or present, have positively impacted your life and then share some of those stories with each other whenever you have a moment. Maybe, maybe take a minute today to make a call or write a note or send a text to that person who's had such an impact, just expressing thanks for the impact that they've had on your life. I could talk for hours about Christ followers who have impacted my life. I'm so grateful for them. Maybe you have had great relationships with fellow believers as well. Maybe you're in a place where you're frustrated with fellow believers. It happens. Or maybe you carry deep wounds perpetrated by people who took advantage of your sincere devotion to Christ and trust. And sometimes that happens as well. So how can we all make every effort to add to our godliness mutual affection or brotherly kindness. I'm just asking for a friend. When I've been hurt, how can I move forward in a way that's effective and productive? It's a good question. I don't merely want to believe, I want to live. And for some of you, it may mean really living again. Really live all out for Christ to be all in with fellow believers. How can I do that? I think Peter was being highly intentional whenever he wrote this list of eight qualities down for us. Now remember, the reason that he was writing to the people is that he wasn't gonna be around for very long. See, Peter knew that while they may not have him around, they would have each other. And we need each other, don't we? Now there are times when we act like Lone Rangers, pushing the church and fellow believers away, but we forget that the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had his sidekick, Tonto, and his trusty horse, Silver, right? And Peter may have suffered at the hands of his people, but he had his fellow apostles as a support. We know that Peter had suffered physically at the hands of his own people, as well as the governing authorities. And by now, you've seen that what we have here from Peter is an unfolding of faith. You see, out of faith will emerge goodness. Say that with me. Out of goodness will emerge knowledge, and out of knowledge will emerge self-control, and out of self-control will emerge perseverance, and out of perseverance will emerge godliness, and out of godliness will emerge mutual affection. Out of mutual affection will emerge love. He begins with faith, and he ends with love. It's an, an, an unfolding, an unfolding of faith. Each step leads to the next. The practice of one quality leads to the next quality until you arrive at love. You start in faith, and before you know it, you're living in love. Start with faith and make every effort to add to your faith, and before you know it, you are building a life that lasts. 
And say this with me. We're going to show this on the screen. Faith will tell you what to do. Love will tell you how. You start with faith. You end with love. Isn't that the radical center of God's will? Faith will tell you what to do. Love will tell you how. Remember our mathematical equations from lesson one? To faith, we add goodness and gain knowledge. At that point, we begin to understand. Then to goodness, we add knowledge and we gain self-control. And self-control is that inner strength that we have. The result here is that we grow stronger internally. Then to knowledge, we add self-control, which leads to perseverance. We learn here how to patiently endure. Peter knew that this process, through working the process specifically, we would get stronger. In fact, this is the only way to get stronger. Anyone you view as strong has gained strength from the weight they've carried. Focus on controlling what you know to be true and your perseverance will increase. Then to self-control, we've added perseverance, which leads to godliness. The reason you've practiced self-control is that you trust God's word. The reason you persevere is that you believe that God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8. When you're living that way, in a way that acknowledges God, then you're living a godly life. And now by following this process, you've gotten stronger internally. And because you're growing in your godliness, your appreciation of fellow believers deepens because perseverance plus godliness leads to a mutual affection called brotherly kindness. One of the first indicators that you're growing in faith is how you talk about and act towards brothers and sisters in Christ. That's especially true when you've been hurt. When you're making every effort to add to your perseverance a reverence for God, you end up loving people that he loves. And when you're including God in everything, that's that reverence for God, and loving your neighbors yourself, then you know what love is. I imagine Peter pausing for just a moment as he wrote the Greek phrase, add to your godliness brotherly kindness. See, the Greek word here is Philadelphia. I wonder if he maybe, maybe recalled the time after Jesus was raised from the dead when Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? As he wrote this, did he remember when he hadn't stood up for Jesus? When he denied him? Peter knew that brotherly love was the result of seeing God at work in the lives of others. It's possible when we've been humbled by our own failures. It's letting God be God in the lives of everyone we know. It's giving God room to use hardship to discipline his kids. It's brotherly love. See, our job is to make every effort to add to our godliness mutual affection. Practically, it's mutual affection is just described out of Romans chapter 12. Let's turn over to Romans 12 together. Starting with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. When we aren't loving our brother, it just means that we have forgotten that we have also been forgiven of our sins against God. We can't hold others hostage with unforgiveness. In fact, belief is hindered through unforgiveness. I want you to think about that. There's no power in the world greater than belief that's rooted in God. Now, why do I tell you that? Because a very important part of that power has to do with our attitude towards others. Now, I want you to see this. Turn over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 23. Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Back to 2 Peter. He says, make every effort to add to your godliness mutual affection. You see, without this, we weaken the power of belief. But with this, we strengthen God's ability to work in and through us. So when you're praying, release anything you're holding against anyone. You're not excusing others from liability. See, Jesus taught that the world would know that we love him because of how we love one another. God's vision for the church is that we'd grow so much in our love for God that we'd love people the way he loves them, unconditionally and passionately. See, he wants us to be filled up with Christ's grace, his truth and purpose, so that everything we do will reflect him to those around us. Now, can that vision really happen? Well, not if we're content with having lukewarm affection for God, not if we're just tolerating people instead of loving them, not if we're just thinking we're just gonna get by in our efforts to just barely interact with others' lives. So what are you doing? What effort are you making to contribute to that vision being fulfilled of mutual affection? Each week I've encouraged you to grow spiritually by simply following this process each day. I'm frankly less concerned if you want to grow spiritually than if you are growing spiritually. A lot of people say they want to. I'm praying that God will cause these qualities to grow in your life, just increase a little bit each day. And let's review these together. And these will be on the screen for you. Say them together. Today I will add to my faith. I will do more than believe. I will trust God. I will truly come alive. I will let faith lead me. I will follow God in faith. Today I will practice moral excellence. I will put into practice what I know. Today, I will grow in knowledge of God's word. I will read my Bible and I will ask God for wisdom. Today, I will be self-controlled. I will practice self-control over my emotions and attitudes. I will stop blaming others or making excuses because I am adding to my faith. Today, I will persevere. I will not give up. Today, I will practice godliness. I will include God and see him in everything I do. And now let's add the seventh day. Today, 
I will practice brotherly kindness. I will be kind to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for every man, woman, and child that you have saved. And I thank you, Father, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are family. I pray, Father, that whether we are meeting alone with our families, whether we are meeting with a microchurch or a larger group of people, I pray, Father, that Christ will be lifted up and that we will learn to love each other and to love our brothers and sisters as we have been loved by you. We thank you, Father, for every blessing you have brought into our life, and we ask, Father, that you will help us to do to others what we would have them do to us. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.